0: How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? And boom goes the dynamite. I don't know what we're yelling about! I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Welcome into episode 17 of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter alongside Lucas Gephardt. My name's Sven Elscock. Thanks for joining us here today on the Prepcast, as Girls District Tournament Basketball is in the heat of things right now, Lucas, and that gives us a good opportunity to talk about some of the things that stood out in week one of girls' districts, as well as run over some teams that have made it into state. Lucas, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sven. You know, coming in Monday afternoon,
1: Super Bowl was what it was. I think I've gotten numb to the Patriots. They just keep on winning. I'm just, let's get some parity. i you know? like, <laughs> let's get
0: the Rams, Saints, you know, whatever it is. Someone else in there. So you're in a better place now that you're not watching that atrocity of what was a Super Bowl. I've seen some people on Twitter uh, going off about how, as fans, we should appreciate the fact. That we saw good defense, and it was a a chess match between the coaches. And I tell you what, I am all for defense as much as the next guy, but that game was flat out boring no matter how you are watching that football game. I consider myself a football fan, and I know you're a a diehard Denver Broncos fan, and you've seen blowout Super Bowls. I was telling somebody yesterday that Broncos fans probably enjoyed the blowout loss to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl more than that Super Bowl yesterday.
1: Well, at least stuff was happening. You know, you had the ball going over Peyton's head that first play. You had the kick return in the second half, you know, things like that. And the, the entire time yesterday, I was just waiting for something to happen. And then the clock hit
0: zero and nothing happened. And the Patriots won. <laughs> like, that's all it was. Well, the Patriots, a team that you always expect to be good, as some of these teams in Idaho, girls basketball, meanwhile, have clinched spots at State. We're seeing a lot of familiar names there as well and the 5A classification will start up top and move our way down as far as teams that have clinched spots at state 5A it's Mountain View Eagle Rigby and Highland Mountain View and Eagle will take each other on in their district championship while Rigby and Highland will do the same over in eastern Idaho so you look at those four teams and I don't think there's any surprises on a statewide scale that all four of them are at state again this year no
1: not at all I mean Mountain View we know what they've done Eagles a good team in the SIC as well Highland and Rigby kind of showcasing the eastern side of the state. There's not really any surprises within that 5A classification, but you go down the list a little bit and you start to find some. And
0: now 4A classification, uh, again, this is where there have been a little bit more surprises in district tournament play, especially in 4A District 6 where the Hillcrest Knights Uh, somehow, miraculously, they come in and they take one of those spots out of 4A District 6 where it looked like all year Blackfoot and Bonneville, two teams that have been ranked in the top five, looked almost assured that they were going to secure their spots. Now one or both of them will miss the state tournament altogether while Hillcrest... Goes in as I believe the three seed out of that district tournament, and they secure themselves a spot. What a great job by Alan Sargent and the coaching staff, as well as all those players, uh, for making that happen there. Yeah, I mean
1: Hillcrest, the uh, 45-37 win over Skyline uh, on Saturday, February the second, and what that means is that, like you said, either Blackfoot or uh, Bonneville is, is not going to go to the state tournament, and they're they're ideally might play each other. It depends what happens tonight between Blackfoot and Idaho Falls, but if the, tr- the bracket goes chalk there, uh, Bonneville and Blackfoot will play each other, then the loser of that game's out. And they don't make the state tournament, so that just goes to show you how exciting this time of the year is, and really, I mean, it comes down to every game, every second counts. And even
0: beyond that, you take a look, the winner of that Blackfoot-Bonneville matchup, potentially, if they both win, like you mentioned, they would have to go to a state play-in game against District 3's C-seed and that is not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination as District 3's got some really talented basketball teams whether you start at the top with Middleton move down Bishop Kelly Caldwell, Cuna, Valley View has had some good stretches this year so that's a really difficult road to hoe for either Blackfoot or Bonneville but I can tell you one thing it's going to create a really fun game if they do match up against each other again. Yeah I think it will
1: and you know, that's that's just the magic of district tournaments right there. And it, they, we're in the fun part of the year right now where we, we went through the regular season in girls' basketball. You know, we saw these teams start to take shape one through five. It's pretty consistent in 4A for most of the part throughout the regular season. Then you get to district tournament, and then you have a team like Hillcrest make a run. You have a team like Skyline making a run as well as uh, three and four seeds making a bid at the state
0: tournament. Century and Minico are the other teams out of 4A that have secured their spots into the state tournament century has been ranked number one from start to finish this year. Undefeated are the Diamondbacks. In the 2A classification, a couple of teams have secured spots, including number one and undefeated Soda Springs, which hasn't lost since, boy, I don't even remember. We might not have been born yet the last time Soda Springs <laughs> lost. Just a incredible run by them. Ryrie, the other team that's in out of the 2A ranks, you'll be broadcasting that 2 a state tournament here on IdahoSports.com. And there's a lot of good teams in that classification, but to try and knock off Soda Springs this year seems like quite the task. It'll be David versus Goliath there at state, it seems like.
1: Yeah, it's a tall order, but you know what, two ways deep. You know, Ryrie's seen them a few times this season, and Soda Springs has the target on their back. You know they're coming into the state tournament. Everyone's going to throw their best game at Soda Springs, which is going to make that classification a bit interesting. Because you know a lot of people look at that bracket, they see what Soda Springs has done this year and last year, and they they just pencil them in as the state champion already. But two A has got some good teams. You know especially on that eastern
0: side of the state in District Five and Six. And whoever goes into state with the aspirations of knocking off Soda Springs, which all those teams in two A are going to go in with the mindset that they can beat them. It's going to have to start with aggressive play on the defensive side of the floor, try and force some turnovers, and you're also going to have to hope that Soda Springs has an off-shooting night, as that's what you hear coaches throughout the state say consistently when they're going in as underdogs against a team, is we need them to shoot worse than they did last time we played or not shoot to their season average. This is a really efficient team. Yeah, I mean, Soda
1: Springs, they got their top two players, Yamouchi and and Sadie Groning for Soda Springs. But you look at the rest of the state, all it takes is one bad shooting because the state tournament is is one and done. You lose, you go to the other side of the bracket, I guess you get at least two games and possible three if you win one of your first two. But... It, it's you. You lose on Thursday, and you're not. You have no chance of winning the state title. So you have one bad shooting night on the right night, and all of a sudden you're on the loser side of the bracket. And for Soda Springs, I mean, they've been rolling throughout this entire season. Uh, it's been, gosh, I don't even. I don't. I don't know how long it's been. I've done. I haven't done the prep on them yet. But you know, for Soda Springs, they they are the team to beat in two A. And every team is going to throw their best game at them. And if Soda Springs that they get caught napping one of those times. There might be a
0: two-way team there that can beat them. In the 1A Division I ranks, we know half of the teams that will participate in the field as a couple of the district tournaments have had their championship matchups set. Out of District 2, Lapway and Prairie will play each other for the district championship, and Rimrock and Notice out of District 3 will take each other on on Thursday in a game that we'll have broadcast here live and free on idahosports.com. Myself and Paul Kingsbury had an opportunity to see the Lapway Wildcats and the Prairie Pirates last week. And these teams do a lot of things well, and consistently when you head to the 1A D1 state tournament, there's been that mindset, kind of an expectation almost, that you will see Lapway and Prairie play each other at some point. Last year that didn't happen, and that was because the Oakley Hornets made the state championship, and they knocked off Prairie there. This year, the team that kind of looks like the wild card is the Shoshone Indians. But four good teams already have clinched their spot. Um, that'll be a fun one. Myself and Glenn Jones will have the coverage of the 1A-D-1 state tournament. And in 1A-D-2, just one team has locked up a spot. That's the Rockland Bulldogs coming off a huge victory over number one ranked Choban.
1: Yeah, and that was a huge upset kind of in the semifinals. And it goes to show you the the depth of that that side of the state has down all the way down in 182. so now Showban kind of a little more difficult route to get to this state tournament Rockland, they they sew up that a seed down in uh you know five six district five six there so yeah show they're not out of it you know they still got to win a few more games here to get back to state
0: again sven elskog and lucas Gebhardt here for the idaho sports prepcast presented by project filters a couple of talking points that we had here that we really wanted to address Related to girls' district tournament basketball are district tournaments that have kind of opened our eyes a little bit. And the one that we mentioned first, and this deserves more talking than uh, what we've already done, is the 4A District 6. As Skyline and Hillcrest, you're taking a look at the bracket right now, Lucas. I mean, talk about the path of both of these teams and how impressive it is to knock off who they have. Well, first of all, it's, I mean, Bonneville got
1: a first round bye. Them and Blackfoot both got first round buys in the tournament. And so Skyline they, they had to play the extra game. They had to beat Idaho Falls just to get a game with Bonneville. They ended up beating them 53-40. And then you get them on Wednesday, January the 30th, Skyline ends up beating them 50 to 50 to 44, and that puts them in a matchup against Hillcrest, which they also weren't expecting because Hillcrest beat Blackfoot in in their second round game. And so Hillcrest beat Shelley in the opening round game. They go to Blackfoot, they beat Blackfoot at Skyline High School. And all of a sudden, you have Skyline Hillcrest three-four matchup here in the semis. Hillcrest ends up beating Skyline forty-five thirty-seven. They end up being the district champion, and that just completely shook up the entire bracket because now, like we talked about, you're either going to have Bonneville or Blackfoot. One of those teams will not make state. So basically, what happened in that round where both Bonneville and Blackfoot lost is you had Skyline and Hillcrest took a seed from. Took a, took a seat at state, basically, from one of those two teams. And so now that Blackfoot and Bonneville are going to have to theoretically duke it out if Blackfoot is able to beat Idaho Falls here tonight, and they'll play each other on Tuesday. And that's a loser's out game. The loser of that game is not going to the state tournament. The winner still has a shot, and they'll get a rematch against Skyline on Thursday the
0: 7th, and then still, you're not in the tournament at that point. But for Blackfoot, they could have to win up to three additional games now As a result of that upset loss, while the Hillcrest Knights will play the 8 o'clock game, they'll be on primetime on IdahoSports.com. And Timberline High School, Paul Kingsbury and Clay Hatfield will have the call as they take on 4-5-B, a seed that we do not know as of yet. And that's Valentine's Day basketball in the state tournament. As we drop down to the 3A classification, a couple of things have been interesting here, including the Buell Indians advancing to the district championship with wins over Filer and Gooding. Gooding has now been eliminated. The district championship is on Tuesday at 7 o'clock at the College of Southern Idaho as Buell will take on the Kimberly or Filer winner. As either way, Buell has at least given himself a shot at a play-in game. So what a great job there. A team that had struggled in the early part of the season and they chose late in the year in the district tournament to play their best basketball, and that's really similar to what we saw last year with Filer. I believe last year, if I recall correctly, Filer did not win any district games during the season, and they went in, and they almost won the district championship. It's just absolutely incredible sometimes what can happen in these as it's all on the line at that one time of the year, and some teams just play their best basketball late. Yeah, and that's
1: all that matters is if you play your best basketball during the right couple of weeks. I mean, you you'd want to get hot in the month of February if you're playing girls' basketball, and that's what Filer did last year. That's what Buell is doing here this year. And they upset Gooding, and Gooding was the number one te- number one seed going into that district tournament. They're two and out. They're done. And they, they lost to Buell, and they lost to Kimberly. Kimberly's the two seed, and Kimberly lost to Filer. So that bracket went completely opposite of Chuck all the lower seeds won and they move on to the semis so Buell ended up beating Filer so now Buell is in the district championship game and they'll play the winner of Kimberly and Filer and they'll bounce over to the right side of the bracket and the winner of that will be the district champion and if you look at the the bullet points here at this bracket it completely threw everything out the window so you have if the winner of game six has not lost in the tournament they're the district champions. So that basically what that means, if Buell wins, they the district champion. If the winner of game six has not lost once in the tournament, the if-necessary game will be played. So if Buell loses, you got to come down and play another game. Two teams play each other again. Regular season conference championship game will host the if-necessary game. I mean, that goes out the window there because the higher seed's not winning. And if the lower seed beats the higher seed, the lower seed assumes the higher seed.
0: So it's all over the place I mean exactly there's a, it's an absolutely incredible district tournament and I'll contend and argue with anybody in the state this is the best one each year as far as the upsets that come out of it and how good the games are as last year every single game in this district tournament was decided by five points or less. And this year, while well, not every game has been that close, there have been some very shocking results, and it's been fun to follow. In the 1A Division II classification, there's been some fun there as well. Rockland defeated showban, the number one ranked team in the state in the semifinals to clinch their state tournament spot. And there's also impressive parity in the 1A Division II District 4. Five of the first eight games there in the eight team field have been decided by 10 points or less. Kerry will play Murtaugh on Wednesday at 7.30 at Shoshone. That's for the district championship. But I think that you kind of see as these games have gone on, one through five, maybe even one through six, there is not that much discrepancy between these teams, and I think that sets up a really fun state tournament.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's one through six here in this district because you had Lighthouse Christian beating the three seed in Hanson, and so they end up moving on and playing Murtaugh. Murtaugh ended up beating them, but I mean that just goes to show the depth that some of these districts have.
0: So that's the girls' district basketball conversation here alongside Lucas Gebhardt. I'm Sven Elskog on the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. And well, we'll talk about this later in the Sven's 10 performances of the league. But we wanted to highlight the incredible nature of what Wallace's Zach Welch was able to do during the Miners' 85-39 win over Clark Fork. Get this, Welch hit on 14 of 19 three-point shots, and finished with 52 points. For some context here, Idaho doesn't keep records for points in a game and things of that nature outside of the state tournament level, but if this effort by Welch would have been during state, it would have tied the most points in a game with Dan Akins of Potlatch back in 1985 and would have set the record for most three-pointers in a game by four I'd say that his 14 three-pointers have a pretty good chance at being a state record if they actually kept that during the regular season. The 52 points, um, Matt Harris, I talked to him last week, and he said he has seen more than that. So it's not the most points in a game. But regardless, how incredible is that in the game? Well, I mean, he dropped halfway to 100,
1: over halfway to 100. You know, 52 points, knocking down 14 threes. I mean, that'll do it for
0: you right there. I mean, how many points is that off of threes right there? I mean, 14 of them, and uh, do the math 14 times three. You got 42 points coming off three pointers. Right, so 42 points coming from behind the three point arc. I mean, that's just an incredible shooting night
1: there for Zach Welch and Wallace, and, you know, well deserved for him. And if that's a
0: state tournament game. He's holding the record. And Corey Miller, the head coach of the Wallace Miners, he was actually the guy that sent me the email letting me know this information. I'm glad he did because this is pretty incredible. But. The Wallace Miners, a really talented basketball team in 1A Division 1, and when they absolutely blew the doors off of Clark Fork there, Coach Miller was saying he thought it'd be a disservice to take Welsh out of the basketball game and tell him to stop shooting, as you don't get performances like that very often. So they just kept heaving up the threes, and why not? They were falling all night. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of a
1: one-in-a-lifetime opportunity there for a kid. And, you know, even if it is... Well decided, which it was, you know, 85-39 in the final, like you said. But you know, it's it's just an incredible performance, and you're, and you're not gonna sit a hot shooter on the bench. I mean, he's he's got the hot hand. You're you're gonna let him shoot wherever he wants to shoot. You 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 change your game plan completely when you have a player have a game like that.
0: So absolutely incredible effort by Zach Welch of the Wallace Miners, who are a team that looked like they could potentially make state this year. They'll have to win a couple of play-in games in order to get in. It'll start with a regional play-in game against District 2 uh, and then another play-in game against District 4's second seed. But regardless, they will get that first regional play-in because Wallace every year gets that opportunity. This just happens to be one of their best teams in quite some time. So we look forward to seeing what Coach Miller and the Miners are able to do. We're going to skip ahead here, Lucas, and talk about uh, the boys' hoops action that really impressed us last week. It was Preston and Minico which met up for the second time this season. And yet again, they needed overtime to decide things. These teams cannot get it figured out in regulation, doesn't seem like.
1: Yeah, it's been fun watching those two kind of duke it out. Obviously, Preston won the last couple state championships. Uh, Minico has been in and out of that number one seed a couple times this year. And really, the, that conference this year is just incredible with District 5 coming over and joining District 4. It's been a lot of fun. They've gone to overtime twice now this year. The first game was multiple overtimes, and the second time they go to overtime again, and Preston ended up winning it both times. But, you know, Minico, I'm sure would love to have another crack at them.
0: And I'll have to admit, I was the first person to criticize the Great Basin 10 Conference when they first announced that they were merging together. However, I will also say that as the years gone on, it's created a lot more interest in these games. I mean, even in football, you saw a team like Mountain Home get into the state playoffs, which would have never happened if they would have continued to play in the 4ASIC. It was just a bad matchup geographically and really athletically for their sake. They move over to District 4 and District 5, as you mentioned, combined for the Great Basin 10. Mountain Home has been very competitive in basketball, boys and girls football um, and then you take a look at the district 5 teams coming over and it almost seems like natural rivalries at this point I mean who isn't enjoying these Preston Minico matchups every time they get together we mentioned the first time they played four overtimes and 91 to 87 win for the Indians on their home floor this time just one overtime, which is still a lot of basketball. 66 to 61 win for Preston in that game. Ty High had Ty Hyde, excuse me, had 21 points to lead the scoring. Which uh, you know, Preston they're looking for their fourth state title in a row under head coach Tyler Jones. But the 4A classification this year, we mentioned this conference. We'd like to talk about some of the other teams as well. You've seen a lot of 4A SIC basketball this year, and that conference has, again, the five or six teams that seem like they could really make a run, get to the state tournament, and be dangerous there.
1: Yeah, I mean, the SIC, especially in the 4A, is deep. You know, it's not as top heavy as the Great Basin is with the likes of Twin Falls, uh, Minico, Century, uh, Preston, you know, at the top of that conference, but there, there's six different teams that could win this 4ASIC tournament. And I think Bishop Kelly, it's a team that is kind of down in the middle of the pack there, but they're a little undersized. They have some injuries right now, but they're a very dangerous team. You know, They've already beaten Columbia, Napa, and CUNA on the road. And they're all right at the top of the conference as well. So Bishop Kelly, they're a very dangerous road team. I think they could really be dangerous. And Middleton is a team that I think has the best size in that conference, you know, with uh, Guard Memolar. obviously underneath. You have Robinette, who is a very good wing player on the outside for them. And so Middleton's another team that, that could be really dangerous as well. And then you have Napa, which is a pretty good team led by, you know, their point guard Estrada has been having a good year. And then obviously you have Columbia with Jake Poulton. And, what, and we all know what he, what he can do throughout. Uh, you know, you and I saw him at home uh, when they played Napa and somehow came back and won that game. Still not sure how that happened, but Columbia kind of found a way to win
0: that game. So there, there's a ton of dangerous teams in that conference. And in the midst of this conversation, I don't even think we've touched on Kuna or Valley View yet. A couple right. of other teams uh, that are also more than capable. Valley View's got arguably the best player in the state. And Amaro Lotto, and CUNA is a team that the coaches really liked in the preseason. They've seen a lot of these CUNA Cape men, and they have high expectations of them, and CUNA has hung around that second spot in the conference, at least a tie for it, uh, throughout the bulk of the season. So, you know, that's District 3. We've talked District 4 and 5. Uh, District 6, I think Idaho Falls is the favorite, and then out of the north, Moscow the clear favorite. They blew out both of their conference, or league opponents, whatever you want to call them, Sandpoint and Lakeland last week by... 25 plus points so Moscow obviously the favorite out of their district it should just be arguably the best state tournament this year between boys and girls I think there's more parody in it there's more statewide intrigue and you've got a team looking for a four-peat which very rarely ever happens
1: yeah and and that that's the storyline right there is is camp Preston make it four in a row and they're missing some pieces that they had last year most notably uh, Braden Parker no longer with the team he's uh, you know, playing collegiate basketball instead he's going to be playing at ISU here in a few years after he finishes up junior college but I mean Twin Falls I, I remember I, I had the 4A tournament last year I remember I worked it with Scott Merton I remember Scott and I after that 4A tournament Twin Falls won the Constellation championship they had a lot of pieces coming back including Mitchell Brzee and uh and ball underneath and we were both man twin is going to be dangerous next year because they have a lot of size coming back they, they virtually i think they returned four starters this year i think is what they returned this year so they're obviously a dangerous team minico is looking looking great this year you have century who's probably going to return back to the state tournament they have uh Sean Harwell is returning. Max Rogers is a returning starter as well for Century. And then you have Moscow. They made the state tournament last year, too. They went 2 and out, Uh, didn't really compete as well as I think they would have liked to in their first two games. But, you know, they're looking to get back to the tournament this year.
0: And you mentioned you think Century has a good shot at getting to state. The problem is that particular district, it's going to be an absolute war every night in district tournament play as they just frankly don't get enough teams in out of that district. There's only three. Right now, you're looking at four of the top five teams in the state media pool in that conference alone. So one way or another, you know, you look at Preston, Twin Falls, Medico, Century... One of them, at a minimum, is going to miss state, and if there's upsets in that district tournament, you might get two that aren't there, three that aren't. There. I mean, it would be absolutely wild if there are some upsets in this district tournament.
1: Yeah, and Burley's in that conference as well. They went to the state title game last year. You know, they lost some pieces, but it, the, the experience is there. You know, they've been on that stage before. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a wild district tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun to follow.
0: And Jace Whiting from Burley he just got offered by Boise State and uh, he's not even a senior yet, so that's a pretty good offer for him to have as well. Well, speaking of recruiting and commitments, we're going to come back and talk about a wide range of Idaho star athletes that have signed to participate at the collegiate level. We'll also tell you about our Sven's 10 performances of the week. That's coming up next here on the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new Made to Crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new Made to Crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals
1: today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's,
0: My name's Jerry, and I smoked for 30-plus years. I was elk hunting. My left arm and my left leg started tingling on me. Nearly died, and it was enough to wake me up. You know, being on the top side of the grass is a good alternative to smoking. I still hunt, and now it's getting time where the grandkids are going to start going, and I want to be there for that. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit projectfilter.org. Hey, it's winter, which means you can sit around and wait for spring or get a new Toyota 4 or all-wheel drive and get out and go. No matter if it's skiing, tubing, breaking out the snowmobiles, a great road trip, or just a drive across town, with a Toyota 4 or all-wheel drive, it's sure to be easier. Need more? How about great limited-time savings on your favorite Toyota 4 or all-wheel drive model? It's time to get out and go. Your adventure starts at your local Toyota dealer. Toyota. Let's go places.
1: Don't worry, honey. You know how the media sensationalizes everything. Okay, that does
0: Screen I'm going home. You
1: play to win the game. I thought that would be big news. You thought what would be big news?
0: It is one of the more fun weeks of the year in Idaho high school sports as National Signing Day comes on Wednesday. Girls' state tournament seeds are all decided by Saturday, and the boys' district tournament brackets come into clearer focus. And a reminder to check out all of the district tournament brackets for boys and girls basketball, head to idahosports.com and follow the links. Again, alongside Lucas Gebhardt, my name's Sven Elskog here on the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. And as we teased prior to break, there are a lot of Idaho star athletes that have signed to participate at the college level. It's just simply not possible to get all the ones from last week on here tonight on this prep cast is there are hundreds, but we'll go over some of the highlights. And this is one I really like. Let's start with Declo quarterback and linebacker McKay Brashears, who has taken a walk-on spot at Utah State. McKay played with a broken throwing hand last year, which required surgery. He's a tough kid, and he's going to be a good fit for a blue-collar program like the Aggies. Yeah, you want to talk about a football player, you can talk about McKay Brashears.
1: You know, the The talk out of Declo this year, football-wise, was Keegan Duncan and you know, he's gotten offers from all over the Pac-12, ended up going to Boise State. But Utah State comes in, and they snag a very good football player in McCabe Uh They will find a spot for him. There's a reason he's going to Utah State. And he, it might not be the quarterback position. I mean, he, he's big. He's a tough kid. They will find a spot for him because he's a smart football player. He's a tough football player. He's been through adversity. This is the type of player that you want in your team is McCabe Shears. And Utah State... This is a very good find for the Aggies here.
0: You mentioned Brashears. He also had to endure that loss of his mother, Julie, who passed away on February 23rd of last year, a severe brain aneurysm, battling through it all. McKay and the Hornets won a state championship in football this year. And, you know, you mentioned Utah State. Uh, An interesting program there is it seems like they're starting to create an Idaho pipeline. Austin Bolt just got an offer from Utah State. Oakley Hussey is headed there. Um, they already had a couple of Idaho kids on their roster prior to this, now McCabe Brashears is suddenly there as well. Um, apparently, the state of Idaho is starting to become the state of Utah State. Right, and um, they just hired an
1: offensive coordinator who used to be a BSU quarterback. You know, Mike, Mike Sanford is their new OC, former quarterback over at BSU, so there's your Idaho connection. And Boy, let's just talk about, about the statement that Sanford made when he offered Austin Bolt out of Bora. He walks in to Boise, wearing his Utah State polo, and he walks into the Bora Gym in Boise, Idaho. He sits right where everyone is going to see him, right in front of the cameras, where they're broadcasting the game. Austin Bolt hits the game winner, and then he goes and offers him a scholarship to Utah State. That was a statement, I think, that Mike Sanford sent to Boise State. And he said, hey, we're coming in Idaho, and we're going to try to take some of your recruits. Now, Austin Bolt's a great recruit. I mean, he still has another year at Bora. Boise State still has a chance to offer him. I think they should. He's a great football player. Already got an offer from the University of Idaho. Uh, that was a
0: statement that I think Sanford sent to Boise State University. And Boise State has had a lot of success recently with Idaho kids. Leighton Vanderesh is the obvious poster boy for success recruiting the state of Idaho. Keegan Duncan now is headed there, and they're looking for similar success out of a kid like that. Um, but you mentioned Austin Bolt. We saw him last year in the state football playoffs against Coeur d'Alene, and he did this against other teams as well. But he has the ability to take over a football game regardless of what position he's playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he's one of those guys where you, you could basically put him anywhere on the field on offense. I think he, he'd probably fit best with a team like Utah State, probably at a slot receiver type of spot. You know, he, he runs good routes, he has good hands, he's he's got good size on him as well. And I, I think there's 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 a spot for him on pretty much any m- offense in the Mountain West, whether that, that be Boise State, whether that be Utah State. I think he would be phenomenal in the big sky if he ended up going to the University of Idaho. Uh, but he's one of those kids that... He's a smart player. He knows where to be. He knows when to be there, and he's going to make the play. That's really all you're looking for when you look for good football players out of the state of Idaho. And for a guy like Bolt, I mean, mean, what a night for him. I mean, hits the game winner against Rocky Mountain, and then he gets his first big-time offer.
0: Well, and my thought on the whole thing, too, Idaho in general seems to be getting on the national scale a little bit more as far as football players that come out of here. As Tommy Togiai signed... At Ohio State a couple of years ago and I think he's going to start making a big impact there starting next season and then you look at Taysom Hill he's in the NFL with the Saints Josh Hill out of Idaho State and Blackfoot High School is also uh, playing for the New Orleans Saints it seems like the talent coming out of the state of Idaho right now uh, just seems to be making a mark a little bit more so than what we've seen in recent history
1: yeah I think people are starting to notice it a little bit more and he, there's always been talent that has come out of this state and you can go all the way back to, you know, Jake Plummer coming out of Capitol High School. Uh, you can go all the way back to, to that and probably even further back from that as well. And you have a guy, Alomar Alexander, he's going to go play for Washington State. You know, that's that's a big Pac-12 signing that came out here this week as well. And he's out of Columbia High School. So there's tons of talent football-wise coming out of the state And some of the area schools are starting to recognize it. You know, you're starting to see Utah State pop their head up. You know, Washington State's starting to come down into the state a little bit. And obviously you have Boise State where they, it seems like they get their
0: hands on pretty much anyone they want throughout the state. And one of the things that I've noticed about a lot of these is these are walk-ons or preferred walk-ons. How long will it take until these Idaho kids start getting the offer initially? Because I bet you a, a good portion of these kids are eventually going to get on scholarship. Just th- That's the general feeling I have, having seen the improvement that they made in high school and the, the work ethic that it seems like they're going to have as they approach college football. Totally different game, but you know, when does it come to be that Kids are like Austin Bolt where they're getting offered as juniors out of the state of Idaho. And, uh, you know, Alomar Alexander, he's a great football player. He's going to Washington State as a walk-on. And, you know, w- when is it going to be a thing where, oh, Alomar Alexander, you know, he's one of the state leaders in rushing, and he's just built like a running back, and he's a great wrestler. I mean, he's got a lot of traits that you would want in a college football running back. When does that particular guy, you know, get those offers right out of high school not to be a walk-on.
1: Well, I think part of it is uh, to answer your question. I think it's coming pretty soon because you have these poster boy, tri- these poster boy childs out of Idaho, like your late Vanderes and your Taysom Hills. You know that right there is an example of what you get from Idaho high school football. You get tough players who know the game, who know where to be, when to be there, and they make the play. And that's what you get with Van Der Esch. He, I mean every national broadcast people are commenting you know how Troy Aikman saying he's got a nose for the football and things like that he just always seems to find the ball and Taysom Hill out of Highland he, he was a quarterback for Highland and here is Taysom Hill they're just finding anywhere to put him on the field you know the Saints got Drew Brees playing quarterback and instead of having Taysom Hill with the clipboard on the sideline with the backwards flat bill and all that with the headset on you know they're putting him in the slot receiver position they're getting him reps at the quarterback position finding ways to get the football in his hands whether that be on special teams or whether that be at a slot receiver position or back at quarterback so I think really those two the poster boy childs for Idaho sports are going to be Leighton Vander Esch and Taysom Hill moving forward. As those guys succeed, I think we're going to start to see more and more and more offers come out of the state of Idaho.
0: Other notable signings include Grangeville's Booker Bush committing to Idaho for football, Emmett quarterback Dylan Bemis to Graceland University, Rocky Mountain star receiver Connor Croft, Idaho Falls athlete Calvin Bowen, Hillcrest star Trey Henry, and Oakley standout Jake Pulsifer have all signed at Rocky Mountain College. Deshaun Harwell of Century and Carson Smith of Middleton among others have signed to play football at the College of Idaho. Highland quarterback Kobe Tracy committed to Dixie State, which is interesting because Dixie State is actually moving into the Big Sky Conference here shortly. So Kobe Tracy could have an opportunity to play uh, at Idaho State University inside a Holt Arena, a place he's very familiar with down the road, right? Cuz Highland
1: plays all their home games at Holt Arena and You know, I can't speak for Kobe Tracy itself, but I think that might have been part of the decision-making process, and I'm I'm sure that that was part of the pitch to him as well. You know, say, hey, you're going to get to play a couple games here at Holter where you grew up, where you played your high school ball, a building that you're very familiar with.
0: I think that Dixie State knows that it's going to be a challenge moving up into the Big Sky Conference. It'll take a little time, as it always does when these teams move up from D2 to D1, or uh, NAIA whatever I mean they, they move all around you see this in college athletics Dixie State though is in one of the quickest growing areas in the country and uh, it just seems like a place where a lot of people are excited to be and I'm sure Kobe Tracy is as well we also have a basketball signing Lexi Mitchell of Middleton has signed with the College of Idaho for girls basketball, and you've seen Lexi play a couple of times this year. That's a good get for the uh, College of Idaho Coyotes.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of what the College of Idaho does. Yeah, that they they find these great. Every time I see a player sign with the College of Idaho, I go, man, that's a great get. You know, <laughs> and for the rest of the conference, it, it it's got to be tough to recruit against them. You know, because you got all these area schools within Oregon, Montana, and Idaho, and there's so much talent that comes out of Idaho. And it seems like the College of Idaho just gets every single one of them. You know, the Rock, Rocky Mountain College has uh, grabbed quite a few this week for football, at least, that I've noticed. But, yeah, that, that's a good find for the College of Idaho. They've got a great player.
0: And some of these kids that uh, the Rocky Mountain College got for football, mainly Calvin Bowen of Idaho Falls, That's a great basketball player as well. I'm not really sure what the thought process is there, but he's definitely football. I'd like to see him play a couple of sports in college, and whether he get involved with track basketball, uh, he's just an athlete all the way around. So those are some of the recruiting tidbits from this week. Again, joined by Lucas Gephardt, I'm Sven Elsky, the Seattle Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. It's time to unveil the Sven's 10 performances of the week from this past week of basketball as there were a lot of good ones as well. And uh, when we're done going through the Sven's 10 list, we'll tell you which is the best one, in our opinion, for boys and girls. Start off at the top here in no particular order. In centuries, 57-45 of win at Highland on Wednesday. Max Rogers, he put up a double-double, 20 points, 11 boards. That led the Diamondbacks to victory, despite being without two starters. He then decided to uh, do a little bit better than that, even 27 Uh, On Friday, a 55-44 win over Pocatello, so they swept aside their Gate City foes.
1: Yeah, those are two big wins for Century. They, they like to call them. I mean, they're the king of the Pocatello right now. You know, beating Highland. They, they don't beat Highland very often. Highland's a 5A in any sport. And so Highland's a little bit down this year in basketball century. They're having a good year. So the Diamondbacks got to be feeling good about themselves with those two big wins against their city foes last week.
0: And much smaller classification basketball. This is arguably the performance of the year. We told you about it earlier. Zach Welch of Wallace, 52 points, 14 for 19 from three-point land, and 85-39 win for the Miners over Clark Fork. Malad, meanwhile, utilized 34 points and 18 rebounds from Shawnee Simpson to knock off the Bear Lake Bears on Thursday in the district tournament. I love those kind of stat lines where you almost get up to the 20 rebounds. Nothing better than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's domination right there. 34 points, almost 20
0: rebounds. That's how you know you're controlling the paint. Meanwhile, down in District 3 again, Eagles secured a spot in the district championship game against Mountain View. That was thanks to a 48-46 win over Boise on Saturday. Megan Boyd almost broke the scoring record in an individual game for the Eagle Mustangs. She hit five threes and hit 26 points for the ball game. That three three three-pointers in the third quarter, according to Bran Walton of the Idaho Press, sparked a 13-2 run. I mean, even prior to that, earlier in the week against Rocky Mountain, 20 points and 11 rebounds for Boyd. So you know this heading into the season that Megan Boyd was going to be needed in a big way for Eagle to make a run come districts and come state, and she has lived up to that just like she needs to.
1: Yeah, and that's an important win there for Eagle because they secured a spot to the state tournament there, and they're going to take on Mountain View, which that's, that's a tough test right there. Mountain View is a very good basketball team but they're, they're going to need Boyd to step up probably even bigger than she did in this game against Boise on Saturday just because of how good Mountain View is. But, you know, you're one point shy of a school record. You know, school record is 27. She scored 26. And it goes to show the leadership that she has because she hits a three and then your team goes on a 13-2 to run. And your whole team – just feeds off of what you're doing there on the court
0: so congratulations to her and that was a big night for eagle and we'll beat the dead horse here but it's similar to another thing that we talked about earlier these teams as they go into underdog roles against mountain view in the 5a classification is every one of them is an underdog and they all know who the favorite is it's the undefeated number one ranked team unanimously throughout the entire season and mountain view they're gonna have to hope that they can be aggressive on the defensive end, force turnovers against the Mavericks, and then also hope that Mountain View has an off-shooting night. That's what it's going to take to beat them at the state tournament. It'll be interesting to watch. While entering their matchup against each other on Friday, Ambrose and Liberty Charter, they were both undefeated in conference play, and they had a couple of big performances in this one. Cole Camp. 28 points and ten rebounds in a loss for the Patriots. Paul Yenner, 20 points and 8 rebounds in the win. For the Ambrose Archers, knockoff. Liberty Charter, 55-53. Next game kind of similar to that with a couple of big performances on each side. Valley View's Amaro Lotto and Emmett's Brett Kern. Back and forth all night. 78-72 win for Valley View. Gotta give credit to Emmett, though. They came into this one, the underdogs, and they really battled and almost knocked off a really good Falcons team. Lotto 33 points and six rebounds. Kern had 34 points and 12 boards of his own. And Kern has that advantage of being a big guy that can also shoot. Right. We talked about the 4A SIC
1: earlier in the prep cast and how good this conference is. One of the teams that is not in that pack that we were talking about is Emmett. But you know, after this performance with you know Emmett's Brett Kern and giving Valley View a game. You know, Valley View's got arguably the best player in the state of Lotto. He's going to go play junior college down in Florida. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up turning into a Division I commit in a couple of years.
0: So, again, we're halfway through, a little over halfway through, these fin Ten performances of the week here for this past week of basketball. We'll also announce our boys and girls performances of the week after we are done with this. We'll pick one for boys and one for girls. Destiny Quibrato of Notice filled the stat sheet in every way possible. 56-50 win against Ambrose, so this is district tournament, so she did it on the big stage. 29 points, 8 steals, and 6 assists. Another stat I like is when you get 8 steals, so shout out to her for really being aggressive on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, I mean, 8 steals, when when, I, when you first sent this to me, I thought, I, I just kind of skimmed it. I, I, I read 28 points, 8 rebounds, 6 steals. And then you, you take a double look and, and you say, oh, assists and steals. I mean, those are two categories that really are, I think, very underrated in the game of basketball, steals and assists. Assists especially, you know, with the you know, the NBA and everyone's trying to shoot threes every around the corner and things like that. But yeah, 28
0: points, eight steals, six assists. That's a good stat line. And another stat we like is blocks. This is in our honorable mention list. I'll just highlight this really quickly. As we were at the Genesee, game against Lapway Girls Basketball District Tournament semifinal. Kelsey Jensen had her own block party down low. 11 blocks against Lapway and she also had five earlier in the week against the Clearwater Valley Rams. So watch out for her as potentially Genesee makes a run at State. Staying within the same league, the White Pine League, the Potlatch Loggers chopped down top break Lapway 66-49 that was thanks in large part to Dakota Haydaller, who had 16 points, 16 boards, and 7 assists. Just a, a trio of assists away from a triple-double there.
1: Yeah, that's an incredible stat line. 16, 16, and 7. It's it's another one of those cases where you almost pull down 20 rebounds and you get almost 20 points. I mean, you go out and you have, I guess it's closer to a 15-15 night, but you, you have nights like that. You're going to give yourself and your team a chance to win every single night Plus, you
0: toss seven dimes on top of it. He's also a good baseball player as well. The Moscow Bears, they are still rolling. Knocked off Sandpoint 71-44. to 44. Gabe Quinette, he had 32 points, five assists, and four steals. And a couple other ones from the Dietrich-Raff River game on Tuesday. Riley Spencer for the Blue Devils, or excuse me, for the Trojans, 30 points. And on the other side, Brady Power of Dietrich, 26 points and 17 rebounds. Raf River would win 80 to 74. Well, we take a look at all of these, Lucas, and the hard part now is coming up with which one is our boys' performance of the week and which one is our girls' performance of the week. as we've already had players like Michael Yur of Ryrie on the list. Um, you know that Michael Yur is a standout basketball player. We had a Maralotto of Valley View on the list. So if you make this particular list, Maddie Johnson of Ryrie as well, if you make this list, you know that you are a phenomenal basketball player. So we'll start with the girls. And I have decided to head down to District 5. It'll be Shawnee Simpson of Milad, 34 points and 18 rebounds in the win on Thursday in the district tournament against the Bear Lake Bears. As Milad might be a team that you're looking at in your 2A girls tournament, another one of those teams that thinks that they might be able on a given night to hang with soda springs and give them a run
1: yeah i think malad is one of those teams that maybe some people in the state are sleeping on a little bit because they're in the same conference as soda springs and i think they kind of get overshadowed a little bit in that down in that district i, I wrote the preview for for that conference at the beginning of the season for girls basketball malad is a dangerous team there there's a lot of pieces there uh, They're a good basketball team. They've been on that stage before. They've been to the state tournament the last couple of years. So they're, they're a great team. And they've seen Soda Springs numerous times throughout the year.
0: They're probably going to see him again here in the district tournament. Our boys' basketball performance of the week uh, is the most blatantly obvious one we have had this year. We've already talked about him twice. We'll do it a third time just for good measure. It's Zach Welsh of the Wallace Miners, 52 points, 14 triples, in a, even the size of the win is incredible they beat Clark Fork by 46 I mean these guys I have been saying it all year if you are not familiar with 1A division one basketball and even if you are even if you are familiar with 1A D1 basketball and you know that Prairie and Lapway are good and Ambrose is a talented team and you know Valley was the runner-up last year and Grace is good well you probably still don't know a lot about Wallace. I can tell you right now, they've beat Kellogg, they've beat St. Mary's, they've knocked off Genesis Prep. These guys are as good as anybody in that classification as well. Yeah, and I think that's that's showcased by Welch's performance.
1: 52 points, he knocked down 14 threes. Off of 19 attempts, the fact that his coach is letting him shoot the ball from 319 times probably
0: tells you how good of a shooter he is. And if you watch film on Wallace, they have a lot of guys that can shoot it too. If it's not Welsh, it's going to be Brackabush. If it's not Brackabush, it'll be one of their other 5-6 guys that gets into the rotation. As they're starting to get guys back as well, uh, I believe Stutsky is his name, is just also a return to the guard line. He's one of their starters, and uh, he's back from injury for the Wallace Miners. So, again, Zach Welsh of Wallace, our boys' performance of the week, and Shawnee Simpson of Malad is our girls' basketball performance of the week. That'll do it for us here on the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. For Lucas Gephardt and everybody behind the scenes here at IdahoSports.com, my name's Sven Elskog saying so long until next time.